So, so you have a, you got a choice here. I'm going to let you choose. Okay, I can either, you know, do a really cutesy Mother Day message or, or, or let you hear from God. What would you prefer? Don't answer that. I'm going to do what I. I'm going to do what I want to do. I, I, what a crime it would be for you to come into a place where, where the people of God are, where we believe God literally dwells, and for you to go away and say, oh, that was a really nice message. I, I don't want this morning to preach a really nice message. I want you to hear, I want it to knock you over. I, I want you to, to either leave here thinking these people are just crazy. Or maybe God's in this place. Okay. I'm going with the latter. Okay. Uh, even though there are some crazies among us. I'm telling you God is in this place. And, and I'm praying and, and I, what I have to speak this morning, um, I'm, I'm hoping that you at least open the door to him. Uh, and, you know, or that have already opened the door to him. Open it a little wider. You know, uh, so let me just delve right into it. Uh, well, actually, let me tell a couple stories first. Um, so we went to Sight and Sound in somewhere Pennsylvania, Lancaster. Okay, I, I pronounced it wrong. I was corrected like four times in the, in the four-year uh, but anyway, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, Sight and Sound, if you've never heard of it, it is absolutely worth going to. We went down and saw David, um, a depiction of his life. It's, it's uh, theater, live animal, yada, yada, but it's a biblically accurate portrayal of the man's life. And uh, what a blessing it was. Touched my heart. And um, so I just want you to know, if ever you get a chance, it ought to be on your bucket list. Uh, it's five and a half hours from here, but it is well worth the effort. And uh, it, is, it is a Broadway uh, production. I mean, if this isn't some, you know, and not that some of our school plays that are going on uh, even now that have been practicing here are wonderful, great acting. But the, these are just uh, professional actors, professional singers, beautiful, beautiful. So we went, went down and saw David in his life. Um, uh, on stage there, just the depiction of it just touched me. And, and I want to preach a little bit because I, 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 it convicted me. And so l let me just, um, if there was one thing about David, he was a worshiper, a praise. He praised God in a time when, when Israel, if, you, if all of you Bible scholars out there, David was a king of Israel. But what propelled him into that place of prominence was praise towards God. It was nothing, it was, he didn't have anything other than he had a heart that was open to God and he, he, he was a worshiper and a praiser. And because of that, that got God's attention and God elevated him to a place of authority. Life-changing. I am here to declare to you today, praise is life-changing. And if you do not know, and if you haven't learned uh, uh, how to uh, uh, praise God, I want to speak that 
on you today, not because uh, for any other reason, but it is the way that we access His presence. You can sit here today and have just the power of God and the presence of God absolutely surround you and you not access it. But when you begin to turn your attention toward Him and you, the words come out of your mouth towards Him, something happens. You say, know, well, I was just going to go to church today. Well, no. no. Uh, that, that's tradition and denomination. What God wants is to be a part of your life. And more than just a part of it. How many believe you were created? I was created by you gotta be hey, you gotta you gotta settle that question, first of all. If you are pond scum with a brain, okay, and there and do you know people believe that? That we started off and you know, we evolved into this super intelligent life and, and there, really there's no meaning and you wonder why people have no hope. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I, there is a creator and he has purpose for my life. I'm not saying that out of, of what I hope for. I'm saying that because I have lived it. I believe that. And the purpose he has... I want. I want to. I don't want to leave anything that he has commissioned me to do undone. I don't want to leave it undone. I don't want to get there and say, "Oops, I missed that one." I just want. You know, I believe. How many of you know you have a purpose? Okay, listen. To access that purpose is to access him. So let me tell you how that goes. Listen to this. Uh, and I'm. And I'm just. Well, I'm just going to preach this. So you guys. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 11, and I am reading from the Amplified Version. Just so it gives a little more oomph. Read it in your version later on. Um, I, I, I like this, the way this says. It says, therefore, <clears throat> verse number 11, it says, Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord and understand the importance of obedience and worship, Fear is that fearful respect. It's not, I'm afraid. I have, a, I have an incredible respect for God. Do you realize we're living in a time when they don't respect any authority around us? Let alone respect the authority of God in our lives. What a crime. But Paul said, hey, regardless of what's going on, he lived in a time of Roman rule when heathens ruled. Say, oh, it's never been this bad. I bet it has. Not that I'm going to bet, but I would. It says, therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord and understand the importance of obedience and worship, we persuade men to be reconciled to Him. Come on, I'm speaking to you. I'm not just reading. I'm, I want to persuade you. Be reconciled to Him. And it says, uh, but we are plainly known to God. He knows everything about us. You think you can hide from Him? You think He doesn't see? He knows everything about us. Now, that's embarrassing. 
Isn't it? For some, it's like, hmm, he knows everything. Yeah. But God is not ashamed of you. He's not embarrassed. There, there's, you know, there, there's a time of our life as, as children, you know, you see these moms with the toddlers out here that take up so much of your life. There's no shame when they are, you know, just acting their age, having to be cleaned up, having to be taken care of. They can run around. There's nothing cuter than a kid breaking out of the bath, you know, at eight, you know, 16 months old, stark naked, running around the house, and nobody care. Everybody laughs. There's no shame in that. And, and, and the, th- the reality of it is, sometimes we think that, oh, God, you know, he looks at us like we should know everything. Well, we don't know everything. <laughs> I, I, I lived a life wanting to do, man, I want to do what was right. And then God gave me a dream that just blew my mind. He doesn't expect us to know, to do everything right. He doesn't expect that. That's why... His grace is so prevalent and real. So you can be embarrassed, and he's not embarrassed of you. He's made a way to cover you. He says he knows everything about us, and I hope that we are plainly known also in your conscience, your God-given discernment. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but are giving you an occasion to be rightfully proud of us. Yeah, you've you got to think about that one for a while, but I, I'll get to that some other time. So that you will have an answer for those who take pride in outward appearances, the virtues they pretend to have rather than what is actually in heart. If we are out of our mind, get this, listen to me. If we are out of our mind, just unstable fanatics, as some critics say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for your benefit. For the love of Christ controls us, controls and compels us. Let me just say this. If we are out of our... Paul, this is Paul. This is the Scripture. How many believe the Scripture is true? Come on. How many want to live up to it? So Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, if we are out of our minds, if we are uh, uh, the, the fanatics that they claim we are, he said it's to the Lord. How many times have you looked at somebody and said, man, they're, out, they're just, you know, they're, they're over the top. Get this. I love you. Okay. We have gone out of our way. To make this place as comfortable as possible for you. You know that? I'm not bragging. Yes, I am. Let me brag for a minute. Okay. We have spent years building, painting, lights, cameras, action, <laughs> sound systems, you know, so that you can hear every syllable that I mispronounce. We've made kitchens and Sunday school rooms, comfortable chairs. We even pay somebody to make the place smell good. Why? Because we want it comfortable for you. We paved the parking lot. We got some guy that got asphalt left over and he's patching holes so you don't trip. 
Right? Why do we do that? Because we want to make this as comfortable as possible. Why? So that you could come in here. But the reality of it is there's sometimes in the presence of God that it gets flat out uncomfortable. And, and you know, we have been called fanatics before. And it would be an absolute crime in my time for the church to become so Comfort, concern that it would uh, uh, step away from the praises of God and, and, and the idea that we don't want to offend anybody because you're going to think we're fanatics. Ooh. I'm, not, I'm just preaching, not yelling yet. Man, I hope you get someday in your life to rub shoulders with a fanatic. I, I I hope I hope that that you you get someday in your life to to come up w- uh, uh, w- with somebody that's so uh, enthralled with Jesus that he he literally like man I you know what it's just me and him right now I, I'll get to you later I, you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna tell you I'm trying to be right now in my right mind for your sake. Right? I want you to be able to understand what I'm saying. But there is a time and a place when my attention is toward Him and my heart is lifted toward Him and my, my, my words are towards Him. And it, and it could be, and it oftentimes is in a corporate worship, and it is perfectly acceptable for the praises of God to be so incredible that somebody that doesn't understand would say... What are you doing? Well, man, I'm just, I'm just worshiping God. I'm, I'm just praising God. Well, why? Okay, hang on. Where in the world, at what point in time, did we get to the place that the church should be this quiet, you know, uh, somber, almost like depressed place? Well, I'm so sad that Jesus died for me. Was for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Hey, he is, there is, the book is filled with places that it, that joy ought to be the, the, literally the thing that leads our life. So what happened? I, and I'm going to tell you it is demonic. It is demonic. That, that church has become this denominal church it is this somber, sober, you know, uh, a sullen place, and yet they can get their praise on in a baseball stadium. You either say, oh, it's not the place for it, but yet, you know, the Yankees beat the Red Sox, and they're like, <laughs> So why don't I, well, that's an acceptable place for praise. Okay, I don't care. You can worship at a concert, you know, you know, Luke Combs is coming to Albany. I like Luke Combs. But man, I'm going to tell you what, there's going to be 20,000 people that are just, you know, and, and probably half of them are going to be out of their mind. Woo! Don't you remember your grandmother when Elvis would come on? Oh, I'm not telling, I am not telling secrets. You are not unfamiliar with praise. 
You know how to do it. And I'm gonna, we are born to praise. And if we're not going to praise God as, as He intended for us, we will find other things in our lives to fill that void. And the idea, you know, can you imagine? So, I, not that, of course, it's front page news and I don't know one horse from another horse, but the Kentucky Derby is the big horse race. You know, every year and the Triple Crown and all that stuff. And yesterday, the, the horse that won was an 80 to 1 shot. You know, he had really, literally, of all the big field and the big. And so, can you, when he crossed the finish line, if you put a $2 bet on him, not that I'm promoting that, I guarantee you there was some praise going on for some people. Yeah! And so praise is not unfamiliar. It's just the idea of praise towards God is something that, that you know, is, is uh, you know, how, how can you praise somebody you've never seen? How can you become so emotionally involved with something that is, is something that's a belief? Well, you have no understanding and idea what God has done in my life. There was a time that I was reaching out to him in faith, but he has proven himself to me so many times that the only thing I have left to give is my praise. Here's the difference. Worship. Okay. Jesus said uh, there's coming a time when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth and that he demands that worship. So there is a difference between worship and praise. You know what the difference is? You can watch a Steelers game, and they're scoring, and you can go, woo! Right? That's praise. When you wear their jerseys and their hats, and you got their bumper stickers, and you know it's all about that, you, you become a worshiper. There is no way anybody can look at you and say, oh, there's a Steeler fan. Oh, there's a Yankee fan. Oh, there's this fan and there's that fan. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you ought to become a Jesus fan. Because you can't just come in here for one time and say, I'm going to get my praise on and then walk out and not be a worshiper. It's, it's not, it, it's, and I'm going to tell you, those of you that are here today, I hope you just throw caution to the wind and praise him. I really do, because what happens is the more you praise Him, again, that relationship builds in your life, and you become a worshiper. And then people can look at you, they can look at you and say, wait a minute, something's different. Oh, I see, they're a Jesus fan. That's why they were, called, they were called Christians in the book of Acts, not because they called themselves Christian, but others looked at them and said, oh, those are worshipers of Jesus. I can see him all over them. Okay? Different worship, praise. You're going to wear the jersey? Or are you just going to be a Sunday shouter? Touchdown, Jesus. I'll see you next Sunday. No, man. That was good. So here it is. Here it is. 
Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 14. We did this last Tuesday on the church of Laodicea. Let me give you a plug for that Bible study that we're doing every other week. So a week from Tuesday, we'll be right here. We're getting into the real crazy stuff in Revelations. Um, and, but we had a, we've had a great time with that. Uh, it's every other Tuesday. So not this Tuesday, next Tuesday. But I taught this Tuesday, and it says... In Revelation chapter 3, and this is from the Holman's Christian, it says, Write to the angel of the church of Laodicea, the amen, the faithful, true witness, the originator of God's creation, says, I know your works, that you are neither hot, uh, you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's pretty gross. Got a visual? This is the Lord talking to a church. Well, he wouldn't talk that way to a church. Well, it's in the book. So he obviously did. And and so, you know, he said, look, he said, I got and and listen, the reason he talked like this to the church, they were in a bad way, and he said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chase, and I correct. Why? Because I want you to come alongside. I want you to be involved. I want you to be where I called you to be, not where everybody else and where you feel comfortable. Comfortable. I'm going to tell you what, sometimes God makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. But I know that that's where He's calling me to be. If you live your life to pursue comfort, who is your God? Who? Come on. Come on. You're, if, if, but if you're living your life, sometimes praise is uncomfortable. Do you realize, so David, in, in this, in this uh, production, and I've read it in the Scripture, the Ark of the Covenant is finally coming into Jerusalem for the first time in years and years and years. And he is the king. He's won in authority. He's won battles. He's, he's all of this. He puts his... I don't know where he put his crown. He takes off his robe. He's got the, just his underwear on. And he begins acting like a fool. Just dancing and celebrating and praising God with all his heart and, and leading Israel. The, the Ark of the Covenant was the, the, the dwelling place, the presence of God. That's what it represented. And David went absolutely bonkers. He was a fanatic. And all of Israel was, they were filled with praise. And, and, and uh, his wife looks at him and says, What are you doing? You're the king. Read it in 2 Samuel chapter 6. He, she says, You made a fool of yourself before the servants and before the slaves and before all. And you're the king and you're acting like uh, you've you got no respect for yourself. Hmm. Sometimes that's what a fanatic looks like. Just saying. Maintain your composure. You have a reputation. Right? Don't get old. Don't get too excited. Do not let your mascara run. Be terrible. Make sure your hair doesn't get messed up. Whatever. All of these things. I, I've got, I, you know, I've got the... David put it all aside. And he looked at her. He said, 
He said, you don't get it. I'm paraphrasing. He said, I will yet be more humbled in my own eyes that I could lift him up. That doesn't matter what I look like in that moment of praise. And I've told some of you here, you know, you're so self-conscious that somebody might be looking at you. Nobody's looking at you anyway. Well, but but what if I, you know, what if God really takes over? Well, hey, that happens from time to time. It's going to happen more often. And when it does, all I do is celebrate that. Say, man, they're getting, mm." but the idea that, you know, I, I, I can't do that. I, I, you know, how embarrassing. Check that at the door. Come on, we're here to get a hold of God. We're here to enter into His presence. And this is, this is the way it says it here in Psalms 100. It says in verse number 1, it says, Shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. How many believe the Scripture's true? Show me here. Come on. You believe it's true? How many times have you shouted triumphantly? Just asking. Well, no, that doesn't mean... Well, it says, shout triumphantly to the Lord. How's that end? All the earth. You're not of the earth, are you? That's why you're quiet. It's not the way I was raised. I understand that. And I'm not belittling anybody, please. But the sad thing is, okay, if we pursue such comfort that we have as an assembly, that we put uh, uh, our services somewhere between, I don't want to be cold, but we can't be too hot because we don't want anybody to be shot. So let's kind of just tone it down a little bit. It will be lukewarm. Okay. You know where we end up? Not in a good place. I do not want to be in, in the day, I, you know, I've been doing this a long time, but I do not want to pastor a church that's lukewarm. Man, I, let's either, let's just flat out caution to the wind. I understand that we are trying to, if, if I'm beside myself, I son of the Lord, if I'm together and, 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 and sober-minded, if you would say, as for your sake, there's a time that we need to do that for others. No, de- no, qual- no doubt at all, but there is a time Man, that we just need to be red hot. And, and I, I was, so we're filling the baptistry. Fortunately for Brian, it will be lukewarm. Okay? We're glad for that. Okay, we don't want to get him there. We don't third-degree burns, none of that. Or we don't want, like we, in the old days, we are baptized in ice-cold water. You know, it's nice to be comfortable once in a while. There's no doubt about it. We live our lives for that. But I'm going to tell you, in the kingdom of God, there are times when, when the presence of God and the praises of God might make somebody else feel uncomfortable because it's hot. But hot's not bad. In fact, that's a good place to be. I would rather, I would rather, listen, you're here today, and you're going to have to judge my words, this service, all of that. I would rather have you leave here saying, that guy is nuts. 
rather than say, oh, what a nice service. I just like the comfort here. Look, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to be uncomfortable. Why? Because we only change when we are in a place of discomfort. Right? That's the only time. And if God has called you and you're sitting here, I don't like being uncomfortable. Well, look, honey, maybe you need to change the direction of your life and walk in the comfort that God gives. I please. I'm I'm not being whatever the word is. I I love people. What a privilege it is to be able to do what I do, to speak the word of God. But I have a responsibility to speak his word, not to get a crowd, not to... Not to make everybody, I, man, I want to speak his word. I want this place to be a place of high praise. And, and, and if the scripture says, uh, shout unto God, or shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Try it. It says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name for Yahweh is good and His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures throughout or through all generations. Listen to this. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Has anybody ever said, God, where are you? Man, I wish I could find him. How do I know how to enter into it? Well, let me tell you what. He has gates, and there is a court. There is a place that you literally can enter into, but it's a choice that you make. You want God to pull you over, and God is saying, listen, here I am, come on. And I can lead you to the gate. I can even take you into the court, but entering the presence of God is your choice. And it's absolutely determined whether or not you can be at that place. First of all, of acknowledging that He exists. That is the minimum thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But you've got to believe that He is. And not just that He is, but that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I won't tell you where He at. You're around a group of people that diligently seek God. Not saying we're the best. Not saying we're the brightest. Not saying we've ever done it all right. But I'm telling you what, there is a pursuit of God in our lives that is constant. Stand with me as I finish this. There is a pursuit of God that's in our lives that's constant. And all, for some, their pursuit is doctrinal purity. And I'm, I'm like having sound doctrine. For others, you know, is the idea of just this righteousness that excels. And I'm all for righteousness. But what I do know, what I do know by experience, 
is entering into the presence of God will cause you to be led in all of those things. You can have one part of this right and be so focused on it that you miss so many other things that God's doing. But if you become a, become a worshiper of God, if you learn how to praise, and, and you get to that place where you're, you're, you uh, uh, enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise, you're literally in the presence. Say, so can you be in the presence of God? Come on. Can you be in the presence of God? How do you get there? Well, you know, some preacher's got to pray over me. No. I prayed over lots of people that haven't been in the presence of God. But I'm going to tell you what. Let that praise come out of your heart. Let it be a work of faith in your life. Let it be words that are flowing from your mouth. I'm going to tell you what heaven opens. So here's what happens. This is a progression. I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's something about lifting your hands. Only fanatics lift their hands, okay? Man, there's something about just shutting everybody else out. Lifting your hands, opening your spirit to God. That's where it begins, but that isn't enough. Where in the world do you think God wants you to pray in your thoughts? Not bad, but He wants you to start speaking something. He does. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you start making declarations of Jesus, I don't even know you, but I want to know you. He doesn't need some prayer that come out of some book that somebody wrote a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. He wants honesty from you. God, my life is a mess, and I've tried all kinds of things, but I know that, God, the preacher just said you can help. Watch what happens. God, I'm, I'm going to trust you just a little bit to, to open the door. I'm going to trust you just enough to lift my hands. I'm going to be humble enough to not care what anybody else thinks, but to let you have your way. Come on, I gave you the whole ball of wax. Listen, it's a, this is on you. Nah, nah, well, okay. hey, that's on you. I'm going to tell you what, he's for you. If you're condemned today and you don't feel worthy to enter into his presence, I'm going to tell you something. He paid a price that you can be worthy to do it. He's not there to judge you. He's here to forgive you. So as we sing, come on, if you've never lifted your hands, take that first step. Progressively become that fanatic that Jesus has called you to be. And you watch your life change. Close your eyes as we worship right now. Every eye closed in the place. Come on. Let the melody.